How's it going, everybody? You are listening to the Famous Dead People podcast, the only podcast that resurrects famous people from the grave and asks them all the hard questions. I am your host, Jarrett Berenstein, and on today's show, we have got American film producer Robert Evans, the man behind films like Chinatown and The Godfather, and we also have German singer, new wave artist, performance artist, Klaus Nomi, crazy high vocal range, and also crazy onstage persona. If you want to check out these performers. Robert Evans, a.k.a. John Trowbridge, has a show called First Impressions at Caveat in New York City every month. He's also everywhere on the internet, Twitter. Just Google John Trowbridge and follow all them socials and stuff like that. And for more Louis Perlman, you gotta go uh, listen to his podcast, Kick the Jukebox. Kick the Jukebox. That is uh, available everywhere. And uh, go to his website, louisperlman.com and check out his Rock, bubblegum uh, rock musical Joey and Ron that is up there. The soundtrack is coming out soon, I believe. A little housekeeping for me before we get to the episode proper. Don't forget that you can check out the freshest episodes every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. We've got the latest episode of Stand Up 2020 hitting the stage on Friday, January 3rd at 7.30 p.m. at the Pitt Theater on 24th Street. Our headliner this month is Gary Goldman, the man, the myth, the legend, fucking hysterical. And, of course, a portion of your ticket sales are going to incredible voting rights organizations like Spread the Vote, Project ID, and Fair Fight. Guys, you gotta come. It's a great show. It's for a great cause. You can register to vote if you want to. You can meet some great volunteers from Swing Left, and they can talk to you about getting involved with politics, if that's something you're interested in. Or just come and see a great show, guys. I got new videos coming up on my YouTube and on my Facebook fan page every Tuesday. My website, JarrettBerenstein.com. Rate and review the podcast. Tell your friends and hit us up at FamousDeadPeopleRadioForBrooklyn.org. But for now, sit back, relax, and enjoy Robert Evans and Klaus Nomi only on Famous Dead People. Famous Dead People. It's time. Famous Dead People. Time to start the show. Famous Dead People. Oh, you know, famous dead people, famous dead people, famous stories stuck in the head. You're gonna hear awful phony things, so all these people are dead. My guests today on Famous Dead People are American film producer responsible for movies like Rosemary's Baby, The Godfather, and Chinatown, Robert Evans. Hello, Jared. Thanks for having me on the pod. Believe and, in your dreams. <laughs> and 20th century German singer, famous for his wide vocal range and unusual stage persona, Klaus Nomi. Guten Tag, Chad. It's wonderful to be on today. Uh, Mr. Nomi, Mr. Evans, thank you so much for being with us here today on Famous Dead People. Oh, thank you, Jared. This is a pleasure. This is a, the, one of the honors of my life. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> I'm yes, thrilled I've, to I've be here. I've met a lot of people in my life, and I've spent a lot of time with a lot of very important, fancy people, Jared, and mm-hmm. you're in the top five. I'm in the top five of important, fancy people that you've ever met, Robert Evans? You've got that right, Jared. <laughs> And I've spent a lot of time with old ladies and children, Mm -hmm. and I am absolutely thrilled to be sitting with Nida right now. Wow, that is uh, a cryptic, what I'm going to assume is a compliment, Oh, very much so, yes. Uh, Let's start off with uh, Robert Evans. Oh, good God. All right. Thank you, (laughs) Joe. You were right a, off the top. You were a legend in Hollywood, not yes, just for you. the incredible movies that you yes. uh, produced: Chinatown, Rosemary's oh, Baby, oh, Love Story, The oh, Godfather. Oh, 
But also oh, number one hits. So many there hits. Is. But also for the out of all of those movies, what's your favorite movie of mine? Do you think, David? Oh God, you know I'll probably go Godfather. Ooh, Godfather. Yeah, that's a great one. Mm. Uh, you know, Godfather wouldn't have been made without me, Jared. I I know, Did and it know would that? have been shorter as well. Mm-hmm, I yes. remember you I, were. I wanted to cut it down to around thirty-five minutes. Jared. Wait. <laughs> We got it. Everybody, everybody understood the movie. Wait, I the gangster movie. Yeah, I heard that you wanted it to be longer, and that you're the reason why we got the long cut. But you're saying you wanted mm-hmm. it to be shorter. I, I well, ultimately, I was because it was made uh, six times longer out of spite, Jared. Because you see, I wanted it to be 35 minutes. Now, I figured pe- pe- people would understand the basic framework of the thing, and I wanted it to be a TV show. You but wanted it to be the Godfather to be a TV I show. I wanted it to be on CBS 8 p.m. every night, Jared. That was my big dream. Everybody could sit and watch the God. That's right. You and the little kitties, Jared. You have any kids? Uh, I don't have any kids, Mm, no. One day, Jared. (laughs) One day. So here is the story as I understood it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Everybody, uh, Coppola has an edit of the movie. It's like a little too over two hours. Mm -hmm. Good friend. Uh, You guys go, you sit down in the screening room. Everybody's telling you, Mm -hmm. this movie's perfect. Don't touch a frame. Mm-hmm. The movie ends. You say to Coppola, "I want to see you in my office right now." I say, he "Come gets- in here and have a and have a, <laughs> a a pony of a brandy with me, so we can talk about this." <laughs> and you say to him, "Where's the good movie? Mm-hmm. This is a sh- this is too short. There yeah. is a good movie in here, but you need to make it longer." Mm-mm. I I said, "Well, that that was a joke. That that was a joke <laughs> that I told him." And then I said, "Just kidding. Chop this thing down to thirty five minutes." We should be mothers. Mothers should be coming home and cooking meals for their for their husbands, and they, they should be sitting down with the kids to watch uh, Godfather every day on an APM <laughs> CBS from eight to eight thirty-five. I see. Just yes. so much of your life is clouded in this like mystery of like what mm-hmm. really happened. So many different people telling the story, like yeah. uh, like Rashomon, you know. But mm-hmm. here's the just thing: like Rashomon, just like Rashomon. Did yes. you produce Rashomon? <laughs> I was very infu- uh, influential <laughs> in making Rashomon happen. Oh. Yes, I was I was at the ground floor of Rashomon. Oh, really? Oh. Mm-hmm, I yes. didn't know that you had your hand in Rashomon. Yeah. <laughs> I had many fingers in Rashomon. So, so many right. fingers, so many Rashomon. Believed in it from the beginning. Yes. So here's the thing. Uh-huh, yeah. uh, your life is... It's not just the movies that you created that are the reason why you were legendary. Mm-hmm. Thank it's you. also that you lived this incredible life and how so mm. much of the incredible things that happened to you, yeah. they just seem to fall into your lap. Yeah, isn't that weird? It is weird. Yes. So like, well, when you live your life like I do and when you believe in everybody around you mm-hmm. and you become a, a, a hub of uh, you know, laughter and wine and women, then... You know, p- people start giving you more things, and more things happen around you, Jerry. So let's start from the beginning. So, okay. 1956, you're 26 years old. You're, yes. you're working remotely for your brother's fashion company. You're mm-hmm. at the pool. Yes, the sexiest fashion you've ever seen, The Jared. pool of the Beverly Hills Hotel. Mm, yes. You're just working remotely, mm-hmm. doing your business, lounging by the pool. The hub of wine, women, and laughter. <laughs> so... An actress, a famous Hollywood actress named Norma Shearer, Norma spots Shearer. you. Oh, Norma. Getting yes. out of the pool. Yes. And she insists that you play her late husband in the movie Man of a Thousand Faces. This mm-hmm. woman just walks up to you and says, Yeah, and she said, Please, please. Please, please. pretend to be my ex, my dead husband in this mm-hmm. movie. Yes, that's right. Yes. An opportunity that people spend their entire life. 
That's trying right. to get into the movies, and this woman That's just walks right. up to you and is like, "You should, you should be in this movie." Right. Well, up until then, I had been going to like I, I've been working remotely, but I I would spend a lot of the time uh, around the pool doing free monologues, free out loud <laughs> monologues, um, because when you know it's it's when you're in Los Angeles, Jared. Have you been to Los Angeles, California? I, I actually grew up in Los Angeles, California. Wow, wow. Well, then you should know more than anybody else that it's all about getting the word out and it's all about performing. And the world's a stage. Have you ever heard that phrase? <laughs> The world, uh, the world stage. actually legitimately is a stage, and okay. I actually wrote that. I came up with that. Yes, uh, I, came up, I, I yeah, was I going did, to ask yes. you where that came from. I uh, did, I'm very happy you've heard that phrase before because I've been saying it since uh, since the 50s. Yes, and sure. and so the world is a stage, and so I spent most of my time around the pool doing monologues, and that was from everything from the Tin Man mm-hmm. to um, I'd say the to Tin Man from uh, from the Wizard of Oz from the Wizard of Oz, <laughs> which I was in on the ground floor with. And uh, so I would do stuff like from the Tin Man, I would do uh, Oklahoma, and then I would do um, sort of detective characters, you know, I'd, uh, I'd do Columbo, and then I would start doing, and then I noticed uh, this, this woman, uh, this very hot woman, um, crying most of, the, most of the time. She'd come to the pool, and a lot of women there are either divorcees, or they're just women who know they're being cheated on at any given moment. They just sort of can feel it, feel it in, the, in the ether of the world that they're getting cheated on. And so they come to the pool to, to suntan and to lollygag at younger boys. Okay. And, mm. and so I said to myself, hey, you know what, Robert Evans, I bet these women um, uh, wish that their husbands were dead. <laughs> so I, what I did was um, I, I called up Mort Saul and I told him to write me a monologue for, for a sort of a dead cheating husband. Okay. And he wrote me one. And so I performed at the pool. And uh, next thing you know, I'm into movie pictures. Next thing you know, I'm a famous actor. Yes, That's right. That's it's right. Just and it's just that easy. Generally. You weren't doing this to get the acting role. You just thought, I'm going to give some solace to these women whose husbands wine, are probably cheating women on and them. Wa- and laughter, Jared. <laughs> the story so, of my life. If you want anything in the world, focus on the wine, women, and laughter. You're not doing any of these things for for like a specific outcome. You're just doing it to for, for the pleasure of the people who are watching the monologues, That's right? That's right, Jared. And I'll do it anywhere. I'll do it at the coffee shop. I'll do it at the Port of John's. I'll do it at the pool. I'll do it to You'll group do service. It all your places. Now, I'll do it, I'll do famously, it you moved on from acting into producing, mm-hmm, but does, yeah. does that mean the monologues have stopped, mm-hmm. or do the monologues? The monologues still never like... stop, Jared. Uh, the monologues never stop, but uh, but now it's more an, an inspiration to get uh, my actors to do exactly what I tell them to do. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> so it's, it's so more, I'll be on set it's pretty part much. Of your process. Now. Uh, it's part of my process. I'll mm-hmm. usually be on set pretty much doing acting out the entire movie by myself. <laughs> And if anybody falls out of line, they'll get a tongue lashing from me, unless they're a pretty lady. Mm-hmm. Okay, in which yeah. case, they'll maybe get a tongue lashing. They'll get a, they'll get a tongue licking and a <laughs> pony of brandy. <laughs> oh. Let's yeah. uh, move. I have so I many more questions for you, I love her. Sure, yeah. Because everything lover, you said, yeah. there's like a thousand more questions in there, but we have mm-hmm. to go over to Klaus Nomi for just a moment. You life. have to. So, Klaus... Life. Klaus Nomi, hello. You were a staple of the New York art scene in yes. the late 1970s. Yes. You were a singer, but I think that you were probably more of a performance artist. I think that's fair to say, right? I was everything. Yes. I was opera. You would dress up in unusual costumes. Yes. You would put on a ton of makeup. You would sing mostly in falsetto. That's right. To the I point, was known for my falsetto. Yeah, it was a very strong falsetto. Yes. To the point where people often thought that you weren't doing the singing. This is right. People they, thought I was lip syncing. Thinking to a record. Yes, to some female soprano. That's right. And so first of all, were there things that you would do during your performance to try to let everybody know that it was in fact you 
singing right now? Yes. Were there things that you threw into it? That I were would like- take out an old Victrola mm-hmm. record player and I would start an opera record and then I would pick up the player and smash it on the floor. Oh, wow. Yes. And look at everyone <laughs> in a scolding way. And then I would sing my song a cappella mm-hmm. while everybody was amazed and their jaws would be dropped open on the floor. Now, and then in a cloud of smoke and strobe lights, mm-hmm. I would slowly vanish back into the haze from which I came, that, leaving everyone agog. That sounds amazing. It sounds like a classic Klaus Nomi p- bit of performance art. That is because it was a classic Here's the piece thing, of though, Klaus Nomi performance you art. Sm- Smash a, you smash a record player on yes, the stage. The player. There could still be another record player somewhere, you know? I don't think that's the proof that people are looking for that you weren't lip syncing. You know, I never thought of that. <laughs> and that's probably why people still thought I was yeah. lip syncing. They Here thought some, I had a backup record player. Here's some ideas that I had. Mm-hmm. Like maybe like E.T. the Ride, you could have asked someone in the audience for their name. Yes. And then included it. In the song, you just throw it in there, and, and then... just and just like in E.T.'s rides, yeah. and I, it could come out very garbled and hard <laughs> to understand at the end of my act. Yeah, exactly. And yes. then people would go, "Oh my God, this is obviously this, happening." This live. might be me. I'm not totally sure based uh, on what he is saying. Uh, another idea: mm-hmm. today's paper. You know, yes. you have today's paper. Open you start it up, and, reading things that happened and you today. Sing, Nixon resigns. Yes, I could have done that. Exactly. Yes. Mm-hmm. These are just you know, just for some some stuff for the mill for next time. Oh, uh, thank you for your notes. You know, course. I'm always trying to grow and change as an artist, and I really appreciate the feedback. Of course. Yes, of course. Now yes. your act was hugely popular in the New York art scene. Yes, people were really digging how off kilter your act was. Absolutely. So so just to give my audience some context, do you think that you could tell us just like some nice broad strokes about the new wave scene? Like what were the other acts that you would see around town as you were rising to prominence? Like if I went to a club yes, and I saw Klaus Nomi doing a set, who else would I see? What else would I see people doing? Oh, you know, you would see people coming out with uh, guitars made out of foam. Okay. And they would <laughs> pretend to be playing the foam guitars. And mm-hmm. people would say, oh, that's very cute, you know. It's okay. Nice. Or, you know, you would see someone shave his head on stage. Stage okay. while a violin plays in the background, and then the hair would be sold to someone in the front row. Mm-hmm. <sighs> <laughs> but you know, some I, nice good performance art. Some well, performance you art know, there. calling it art, I think, is a bit of a stretch, Jarrett. It okay. really was just a bunch of children playing around in a theater. Now, hold on a second, Klaus. This is your community. These this are the is people true. that made you successful. This is true. But mm. the reason why is because, uh, you know, I had transformed into a, a whole other being by the time mm. I got to them. You were on the next level. You could be the big fish in this little pond. You said it, not me, Jarrett. <laughs> You said it. I did not say it, but you did. Now, obviously, uh, what you were doing was a little bit uh, off the beaten path. 
you know? What are you saying? It's a what little bit about... A, like, I, I had wide appeal for anybody that I'm, would listen or watch me. Uh, well, hold on a second. So anybody for, that ever feels, you know, I am the union of a old Maria Callas record, ma, you know, married with a black and white photo, which mm. is all of us really inside. A, photo, a black and white photograph melded together with... With a, an opera record. With an opera that record. Is, which is how we all feel, right? Yeah. Okay, inside. Robert Yes. You are yes, Jared, yes. You are a producer of mass content, mass media content. Yes, that's right. Thank you. Yes, stuff I that am. is hugely popular. Thank you. Yes. Wide appeal. Uh, yes, and I have a good eye. Yes, all over the globe. You. Yes, yes. And this would work. Yeah, this would work. <laughs> this would totally work. Of course it's What Klaus Nomi is describing. Oh, yeah. You're saying this is yeah, I this can, has mass appeal. This, this has is, mass appeal, and I can see it. Um oh I, I, I think I'm looking at it right now. This could be like a half-hour family comedy yes. on, on, on CBS. It should be called Life with Klaus. It could be like yeah, it could be Life with Klaus. Every, and, every... and it should be like uh, an old Burt Lancaster show. Yes. Where where Klaus comes out up top, big big band, dun 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 <laughs> Klaus. Yes. And Klaus comes out and he brings his freaks and gugads out every night. And to a to a crowd of and the and the audience can be different every time. Sometimes it can be uh, old people that we can get from uh, old folks' homes, or sometimes it can yes. be kids like we, like what you were talking about. Just the children. And we go and we cut to the. Can you imagine it, Jared? <laughs> we see Klaus breaking records uh, on top of uh, some sort of naked German people or something like that. <laughs> Absolutely. And then, and then we cut to the audience, and it's a crowd full of little kids laughing and and, and eating ice would cream they, cones. Would yes. they be laughing though? They'd be, laughing, they'd be laughing. They'd be laughing because kids, you know, I don't know if you've produced any content in kids' television, Jared. I have not. Um, no. But kids are uh, really, I mean, you, you put a bunch of uh, whipped cream on top of, uh, you know, a slippery floor and you let a bunch of adults fall on the ground. And that's good entertainment for them for six to seven hours, this something like that. And do then so what you do is what I would do with my <laughs> TV shows is I would get the kids. And if you I don't know if you want if you're into this class. But what I'll do is I'll, I'll usually truck in the kids and I'll make them sit there <laughs> and then I'll record the kids laughing at the people slipping on uh, banana peels and uh, whipped cream and, 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 and stuff like that. And, uh, and so I'll hold the audio and the video for that and then you can shoot whatever TV show you want. <laughs> And then I cut to the kids laughing to whatever happens. You know, that's that's what I did with a lot of my TV work, Jared. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. Does this does this jibe with uh, like does this work with your artistic vision, Klaus? Like what, yeah. what Robert Evans is describing here? Well, you know, the main thing about me and the sort of show I would have on television for the children is that I was from space. Mm. This is the thing: is I was from space. Yes, and the children were the ones who knew that I was from space the you, most. They were it's sort of like the way that only children and, and animals can see ghosts. Yes. Children automatically understood they that understood you were from a different from planet. Space. So yes. everything you're saying, I think, works with our now our shared vision, Robert. Mm, okay. Yes, yes. But we just need to make sure it's very clear that I am not of this earth. And I was never meant to be here. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, so well, maybe we throw a little... There's so much you can do with uh, 
production design, Klaus. I, oh, I, I certainly. Mean, so whereas I think Burt Lancaster had uh, a big desk with uh, a cigar tray with a bunch of cigars in it. I loved Burt Lancaster. You, I think, would have a dune on Mars, yes, right? And so yes. you'd, have a big, you'd have a big red dune. Yes. And I sort of see you popping out of the space dust and going, hey, everybody, it's me, Klaus. <laughs> yes. Are we ready? Are we ready, to, are we ready? Ready to have a good, sexy time on on Mars? Are we ready to have fun on yeah. Mars? <laughs> yeah. Are we ready to dance That's until right. until the universe That's dies right. its heat death? That's right. And we bring in fifteen girls to start dancing, and we dress them up like fun, sexy aliens. Yes. And they in do black, high kick down, in, high kick down, in and then, black leotards. That's right. Yes. I'm so surprised that you were on board for this, Klaus. Did Why not did you not think that I would like this? I really didn't think this was your vibe. Black, uh, black The leotards. magic of Hollywood. If you're just yes. joining us, this is Famous Dead People on Radio Free Brooklyn. And my guest today are 20th century German singer Klaus Nomi. Hello. And American film producer Robert Evans. The kid stays in the picture, Jared. So, God damn it. <laughs> so we, Let's go back over to Robert Evans for just a moment. Oh, okay, so, great. You were born in New York in 1930. You had some yes, early performance you, yes. work doing radio. You were in more than 300 radio shows before you turned 18, including a leading role on a situation comedy called The Aldrich Family. Is that right? A situational comedy called The Ostrich Family. The Aldrich. (laughs) What did I say? You said The Ostrich Family. Oh, yes. Was it not me? That was the original concept of the show, actually. Mm, Was the ostriches? Yes. It was me me, uh, as a zookeeper, and I... I was a, sort of a, a quiet man, and my only friends were this family of ostriches at the at the zoo, and um, and uh, the original concept for the show was I had eaten some uh, disgusting uh, potato chips uh, that would make me hallucinate and talk to this uh, family of ostriches. Uh, but that uh, ultimately got uh, thrown out for you know what, whatever's on the Wikipedia page. <laughs> the Aldrich family. The Aldrich family. Yes. I'm guessing it's more a traditional nuclear family. This is sitcom. where I learned the biz. This oh, is where I learned the business. The first Jared. one sounds better to me. And that's what I thought. And honestly, yes. that's what I thought. But but you know, a lot of uh, the business is compromised, and mm. a lot of it is uh, is dealing with uh, stupid people who can't see the vision until you have the power to tell them what to do, which, is, which is which is what I do now. All of yes. them fools. Yeah. This is why you move on to producing because you're tired I was of the up tired, and ups Jared. telling you. I'm just tired. <laughs> I'm, I'm waking up and my eyes are sunken in and I go, really all I want to do is, is go on a soundstage and talk to a bunch of ostriches. <laughs> Uh, but instead, I had to, you know. Uh, but you gotta pay your dues, Jared. Have you, gotcha. have you ever paid your dues? I, I think I'm still currently paying my dues to this day. I have paid my dues as well. <laughs> yes, Klaus, you're done paying your dues, man. You've you've established yeah. your vibe. Thank you. You know what's going on. You're on board. Every day is proof that yes. I am from space. Yes, and those are my dues. Klaus is That's done right. paying his dues. Klaus is ready to cash in. Right, oh, ready to cash in on these so. dues. And cashing in's great, Jared. Have you ever cashed in? I. <laughs> Not had a chance to cash in. You haven't had a chance to cash in, but no, once you I'm cash in, that's when you got to get the finger out, and that's when you got to start putting your finger in some people people's faces. What do you mean? You're so like always... wagging your finger. That's in people's right. Faces? You stand over there. <laughs> this is going to be an ostrich. Everybody, let's go have, let's go jump in the pool. Gotcha. That's, that's another big element of it is throwing pool parties around the different, Whoa. is around around the different thing, which I, cannot, I imagine, which I imagine we'll get to. I cannot yes. wait in to, to cash out and have my have some pool parties. Cash in, Jarrett. Cash, cash in. in. You have to cash in. Make please, God, don't cash out. <laughs> no, don't ever cash when out. When you cash out, it's a problem. Yeah, that's mm. yes. then you got to pay your dues again. That's right. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay. You cash out. You pay your dues. You cash in. You cash in. in you gotcha. are sitting pretty. Gotcha. So as soon as <laughs> I'm done, sit pretty. Yes. You have <laughs> to sit pretty. You, you have sit to be pretty? sitting pretty at the end. How have you ever sat you, pretty, uh, Jarrett? How many times have you sat pretty today? I think I'm. I think I. I think I sit pretty pretty regular. Whoa, I think I do. Good. I could be wrong, but mm. I, if you have to cash in before you sit pretty, then I definitely have not. Sat pretty because cashing in is the uh, is the foundations of sitting pretty. Really, I mean, uh, okay. you can't you can't sit pretty without cashing in. That's okay. Right. So let's go back over to Klaus Nomi for just a moment. So okay. you were born in I Germany. I want to talk more about this ostrich family. Oh, uh, we can definitely get to it. And I didn't get to answer. I think the question. Yes, I don't think you did. <laughs> I think, I I, but, that, but that's on me because you, I'm so no, because I'm so excited well, no, about you, my business. You talked so about I, something very interesting. Yeah. Yes, so and I, I, this is my life. You, yeah. in, yes. in that monologue, Robert Evans, you got to what my question was. So, okay. Right. Yeah. Great. Great. Okay, oh, so sitting right. pretty. I imagine. Klaus. Yes. It's all about. How do you sit pretty? I imagine the question. At what point do I get to sit pretty? In, like you. In five <laughs> steps or less. How do you so, sit in a pretty way? Klaus, you yes. were born in Germany in 1944. That's what they tell World me. World War II is winding down. Yes, my rocket ship crashed to Earth. Yes. Uh, it was found by my family. Uh, a newborn baby in a spaceship. My grandmother, yes. The Wikipedia does not say a lot about your early life, but it does say... It was spent in you... the garden... <laughs> yes, I was mostly in the in my garden, you know, looking at the flowers and tending to them and okay. eating the berries and uh, my, the... my grandmother would make me a pie and that's how I became a pastry chef. Oh, that you learned this is a skill that you learned from your grandmother. Absolutely. That's I so learned sweet. how to make angular cakes that's and so severe sweet. tarts. <laughs> so uh, okay. It does say that uh, in your late teens, you worked as an usher at an opera house in West Berlin. I did. I ushed, yes. This is in the 1960s. This so is right. So my question is, because we don't know a lot about your early life from the, uh, from the Wikipedia. Sure. Did you get the job at the opera house because you loved opera and wanted to be an opera singer? Or was it that you got the job and being around opera made, made you realize that you loved it and that discovered that you had this incredible voice through that. Oh, it was all the first part, the first thing you said. You knew that you loved opera and you were like, I'm going to get into I emerged the opera from game. my spaceship singing arias. Oh, Jared. really? Yes, absolutely. Okay. I always had it in me to sing the songs of the heavens, okay. which is an opera song as interpreted by a wafy black and white alien man with mm. a slightly receding hairline. So you, so Klaus Nomi. Yes, exactly. Gotcha. Me, I was describing me. You yes. are talking a lot about emerging from your spacecraft. Yes. Not a lot of us remember the day that we're born, but it seems like you have a pretty clear recollection of it. Oh, yes. The birthing matrix that was inside my spacecraft. Would you walk us through it? Me coming to Earth? Yes. Oh, certainly. At first, for me, there was darkness, and then a plethora of stars. Mm. And then I remember the most of my spacecraft burning upon entry Oof. through the atmosphere. And then total eclipse of my memory when finally the spacecraft crashes and then the door opens and there is my grandmama ready to receive her Klaus. <laughs> 
What more do you need, Jared? Enter this world, present it to your grandmother. Just my grandmama. She's the one who finds you. Of course. Gotcha. Aren't we all found by our grandmothers eventually, Jared? I mean, eventually, yes. Our grandmothers say, oh, there you are, kinder. All right. There you are, my leapling. That's what what I uh, could imagine your origin story would be like. Yes. So what I wanted to ask you about the the, the opera job. Yes, you're jumping around, yes. You would sing for the crew after the show yes, you would like would, get up on stage yes, and, and perform for everybody yes was this like everybody else was cleaning up or would you or would people like do their work and then sit down and be like all right Klaus is gonna sing for us now everybody would be like Klaus I am sweeping away the programs that I'd be like just take a moment and listen please Mm-hmm. Listen to my latest aria I have learned. Okay. Yes, and then I would go into singing my cold song. And so were mm. people appreciative? Were they like, oh my God, what a great performance. We're, we're really enjoying this. Or was it more like, would you help us clean up your usher too? They would be like, oh, Klaus, we love this. <laughs> we love this so much that it is time for you to stop and help us clean. Mm-hmm. And I'd say, thank you, Doc. Tell me what you love about me singing this. Mm -hmm. And then I would ask them questions for at least an hour. And then I would help them close down the opera house. Mm, Gotcha. Mm -hmm. It seems like you had a nice tight-knit family, you and the other ushers. Yes, we were like a family. Mm. I knew that because they would say to me, please, Klaus, we have families. (laughs) And I would say, yes. I am your family. We, and they would say, I think you misinterpreted. I would we are really song. bumping up against a break here. But let's go back <laughs> oh. over to a rubber deck oh, okay. in just a moment. Uh, so you, we can take a break at any time, Jared. Of course. Yes, Jared, it's up to you. You're the host. I, yeah. I'm we are but your can, humble but servants. I'm in full control over here behind the board. So uh, before you got into acting, I mentioned uh-huh. you were working for the fashion company. The fashion company was actually your Beautiful, brother's yeah. company. It was called Evan... Picone, is that right? Evan Picone, yeah. Evan Picone. Yes, yes, yes. So... Designer garments. Uh, the Wikipedia says that you did promotion work for them. Mm-hmm, yes. So I guess that your job was then to, like, spread the brand, or was the promotion work that you did for your brother's company I was the first brand ambassador. You, okay. you, you've heard of brand ambassadors now? Yes, yes. I was the first one of those, mm-hmm. and so my job would be to put on the clothes and attend very fancy parties. Wait, that was the whole job? Was that was a- most of the job. Yeah, a lot of the other was paperwork or uh, you know trying to get um, sexy ladies to wear the dresses around town but mm-hmm. I but I took it as after hearing the, the description of the job I heard go to fancy parties and wear the clothes so I would go to fancy parties and I'd wear the clothes and I would hang out with some of the most absolutely decadent people of New York City at the time oh wow um, yeah tell us all about some, it so, some really good movers and shakers some mm-hmm. some sons of the Rockefellers ooh um, okay. some uh, Carnegie I would <laughs> me, and, me and Carnegie would hang out a lot and, and he and he would beg me to he would beg me for the clothes and I'd say listen uh, buy me a drink first and that's a, and that's a joke that I said to him and <laughs> And and he and, and he, he and he would, he would love it. Would he laugh? He would laugh. He would laugh so much, which is actually pretty pretty wild. Because up until then, I don't think Andrew Carnegie had laughed up no. until up <laughs> until that joke. Because um, he's a very stiff man. You meet you meet a lot of these tycoons. Severe. These, he's yeah. very severe. Very dramatic. He's yeah. very dramatic man. And if you meet these these sort of uh, you know uh, civil uh, tycoons at the time, they uh, they didn't want to talk to anybody. They they just wanted to make more money and crush their competitors and stuff like that. 
um, until I came around, and I and I would offer them, you know, and I'd, I'd offer them that joke that I just told yeah, you, and, I, and then I, I would also offer them a lot of, you know, company with my female friends and a lot of wine, and you know, and and then um, and I would dress them as well too, which is very mm-hmm. nice, yes, and then. Um, and then I'd invite them all back to my uh, penthouse at the time for for a wonderful little pool party. And most of you know Ooh. most of the stuff most of the stuff is is all social. The people are like, how do you make it in the entertainment business? It's all social. It's, just it's all know. pools. It's <laughs> all it's all who you know. And if you can and if you can make Andrew Carnegie crack a smile for mm-hmm. you know for like a couple seconds and people see that you know then then we're in the pictures. <laughs> we're in the pictures. I've been That's doing it. this all wrong. I gotta get more pools. Yes. Uh, we have got stop to stop take... taking UCB classes and start, <laughs> and start doing start investing. In a pool. Start hanging out by the UCB pool. Yes, it's less of a pyramid. <laughs> we have got to take a short break, but we'll be right back with Robert Evans and Klaus Nomi on Famous Dead People Stay with us. Hey, everybody, just want to take a quick break to remind you to subscribe to Famous Dead People on iTunes or whatever app you are using to listen to podcasts. Rate us five stars, leave a comment, tell your friends. All that stuff helps us out a ton. And feel free to hit us up at FamousDeadPeople at RadioForBrooklyn.org if you want a specific Famous Dead person on the show or if you have any comments that you want to shoot over to us, whatever we love hearing from fans. Uh, Also, check out my book, The Kellyanne Conway Technique. It is out now. It is hilarious. I hope that you will check that out and read that and uh, leave reviews, awesome reviews on Amazon or BarnesandNoble.com or whatever and tell your friends to read it because it's super fun and I want that money. Also, go check out jaredbranson.com for all the latest on my show dates and uh, up-to-date project information. And lastly, if you really like Famous Dead People and you want to send us some money to help keep the show on the air, go to radiofreebrooklyn.org slash Famous Dead People and click on the Support the Show button. Thanks again for listening, and now back to the podcast. Welcome back to Famous Dead People on Radio Free Brooklyn. Famous Dead People, the only show that resurrects famous people from the grave and asks them all the hard questions. I'm your host, Jarrett Berenstein, and we are here every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. My guests in the studio today are 20th century German singer famous for his wide vocal range and unusual stage persona, Klaus Nomi. I, I am a simple man. I, I do the simple things that a simple man can. Just wanted to give you a little taste. Oh, that's great. It yes. really is nice. To touch you in your heart. And Good. we also have American film producer responsible for movies like Rosemary's Baby, Love Story, and The Godfather, Robert Evans. Slish splash, Jared. Join me in the pool. The water's fine. <laughs> I should get a pool in here. I can You really should, Jared. And we should all be in hot tubs. Three different hot tubs right now. I, I think, cannot because... be in a hot tub because oh, it, no. it hurts my skin. <laughs> oh, no. Yes. Oh, no. Well, no, you can fill it with any sort of fluid that you, that you oh, can. Yeah. You know, sometimes I like to fill it with KY. Sometimes I, um, in different in different parties, I remember after I produced Lost in Space, we uh, we would fill a hot tub full of uh, astronaut ice cream and Ooh. and uh, and the sort of weird complicated sex that we would do in those hot tubs. You know, it would it would uh, provide moisture to the to the ice cream and turn it into regular ice turn cream. it into regular ice cream. And then, uh oh, we got a little post sex dessert. You know, and so Ooh. I love sex when it is complicated. Mm. Oh yes. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, I love mind bending like, sex. Yes, I, I like it. When I love mind bending sex with important people. It's really wild stuff. When it's yeah. a head scratcher. Yeah. When the sex uh, you leave I, and you think, what happened? Yeah. yeah. It's like the usual suspects. Did I sex. get what I wanted, or did I get something that I didn't know that didn't I wanted? Know that I wanted. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did I give? Let's, did I get? Uh, let's go over to Klaus Nomi for just. 
just a moment. So you moved to New York when you were 28 years old. Yes. In 1972, you were cast in a production of an opera by by Wagner. Yes. Uh, called Das Rheingold. Yes. And uh, so for my listeners who might not be familiar with the show, would you just give us a quick synopsis of Das Rheingold? I looked it up on the Wikipedia, and it seems to be like based in Norse mythology. Yes. Is that right? Yes. So Valkyries, things like that. Yes. What's, what's the general broad strokes of... Of uh, Das Rheingold. Oh, you know, Thor, Loki, Asgard, Milnior, those sorts of things. Gotcha. These are very broad strokes. Well, you, you didn't want me to get into it, so I'm trying to okay. you know, answer your question so, to the best of my ability. Tessa Thompson. Tessa? Yes. Chris Tessa. Hemsworth. Chris Hemsworth, yes. Um, Ragnarok. 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 Thank you. Taiko Waititi. Mm. Anthony Hopkins. Yes. Uh, Tom. Emma Thompson. Middles. Dude. Tom, Tom, Mid- Tom Hiddleston. Tom Hiddleston, yes. That's right. Tom yes. Hiddleston as Loki. As Loki. <laughs> the trickster brother of Asgard. I and played... Natalie Portman. I played her in the show. So you were the Natalie Portman role in Das Rheingold. I was Natalie Portman. You were... Who the, is part of Norse mythology. The, uh, the doctor, the scientist. No, I was Natalie Portman. That was your role. I came in and sang, I'm here to audition for the doctor in this new myth. That was right, so what I did in the show. Das Rheingold, the opera, yes. is the behind the scenes of the make. It's an opera of the making of the Thor trilogy. Well, you'd think that's <laughs> what it would be, but it's interesting because most of it is just based on the Norse myth. But then mm. my role was to come in as Natalie Portman and audition for the role of the doctor. Interesting. Yes. So the okay. role of the doctor for wow. what? For what project? Never said in the opera. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And it all makes sense decades later when we see the Thor trilogy. All those Marvel projects, you know, you, you audition for them and it's all different names. They don't want you to know anything That's about right. it. That's stuff right. Because like that. there's so many you know, spoilers. It's always like the hero movie, you know, yeah. and you go in as Natalie Portman. And before you know it, you're in a cinema classic. <laughs> That's right. Before you know it, you're in a multi-million dollar grossing classic yes. film. Now, so the, the Wikipedia that I read specifically said that this was a camp production yes, uh, yes by a group called ridiculous theater company uh yes uh so what was sillier camp about this production of das Rheingold? what was different about this production than a traditional production of das Rheingold? well we all rehearsed in tents and we roasted our own food over a fire and sang songs and that is what made it a camp production. Oh, so this is not meaning like kooky or silly camp, meaning literally camping. Well, like we yes, were camping I, while I we earned, this production. I earned my Wagner badge by by performing in this production. I was very proud of it. Uh, yeah. Uh, and all of all of the costumes were made out of lanyards. Oh wow! Yes, it yeah. was great. And I then had... at the end, we t- you know with the audience, we played captures a flag. Oh, that sounds wonderful. great. And you know, you made some friends. You made some friends that will last with you your Lifelong whole life. friends that wrote in my yearbook. Oh, that's really it nice. It was wonderful, my camp yearbook. That sounds like a great way to come to New York. You it know? was. It was a great It was. It was a great <laughs> way for me to, you know, make now friends and friends. have some connections. Now you have a community. Before, yes, you know. Uh, and I would want to talk about, like, your breakout moment. But first I want to go back over to Robert Evans for just a moment. Oh, okay. Yes, All I right. want to hear more about his wonderful Hollywood life. I'm so, envious. It's a beautiful life, Jared, and uh, it's uh, the the gem of my life. What's the question? <laughs> the, your life is the gem of your I'd life. I'd say my, my 
more than my kids. I think uh, that my my <laughs> career is probably the gem of my life. I'd say. So and they know that. I told I tell that to them. So yes. So, so yeah. They, they know, it's important they know. that this people know what what you want. Where you stand with yeah, them. Where you stand. What yeah. is the gem? So uh, you we already discussed your sort of like your rise to prominence. You were discovered. Thank you. At this pool doing monologues. Thank you. Uh, but you did not like acting. You didn't think you were great at it. Mm-hmm. And you were, as we've discussed before, attracted to the power that producers had being the ones to make the decisions mm-hmm. and yes. not asking for permission. So many ideas. Yeah, right? Yes. So you decided to move on to production. You bought the rights to a 1966 novel called the detective, which you the made detective. into a movie That's right. starring Frank Sinatra. That's right. Now oh. this is a pretty big swing for your first produced movie. How were you able to That's get right. Frank Sinatra for your first ever production. Right. Well, so I was at the Copacabana in on the on the Las Vegas Strip and Frank Sinatra has uh, was playing the Golden Nugget. And uh, by then because of the, all the friends that I had made, I was pretty much uh, rolling high and I and so what what I was doing, uh, you know, when you meet Frank Sinatra, uh, Frank Sinatra responds to uh, good fortune and strength and bravado. And so um, after going to the Tropicana and the Bellagio and uh, the MGM Grand, I had uh, made a habit of uh, getting so much money. I was playing with so much house money that I could pretty much go up to any craps table and pick up the, the, uh, the, die, uh, the dice and say, uh, hey, uh, I don't fucking care about this. And I'd throw it. And I was just hitting a hot streak all night. <laughs> you, wouldn't, you, you wouldn't believe it. I came, I came to Las Vegas that night. With one hundred dollars, okay? okay, and by the time I had gotten to uh, to the Golden Nugget, mm-hmm. I was up six hundred thousand dollars, wow. and this was I think it was one of the luckiest streaks I've ever seen in my life. I couldn't believe it, and so I'm literally going up to different craps tables, and I'm going, eh, "Who fucking cares? Bang, win." Well, this this game uh, sub, uh, stinks on ice. Throw, mm. bang, win, and so um, so what I did was I saw Frank Sinatra, and he was there with the with the with the four Red Pack boys. He was there with Sammy mm. Davey and <laughs> Dean, <laughs> Dean, Dean Martin and whoever the fuck the fourth one was that no one gives a shit about. And so I... so yeah, uh, Joey Bishop or Peter Lawler. Joey Bishop, honestly, all of them could blow their brains out. I don't care. It was the replaceable one. Yeah, so the as long as you they, have Sammy they would and Dean... Grow, they would grow the fourth one in a lab right, and yeah. they would just bring them out. <laughs> Go yes. to New Jersey and pick up any scumbum off the street. Yes. Hey, you, you're fourth for the Red Pack. Yeah. So, yeah. They, so anyway, so I get to the Golden Nugget and Frank Sinatra had just sung uh, "My Way" uh, in the uh, Panther Room, <laughs> and and he came out and he and he was feeling hot. And uh, you know, and usually when Frank comes out, he 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 needs a hand on an ass and a hand on a, a three fingers of whiskey. And if you know anything about me, Jared, you know that I'm the king of laughter, wine, and women. That's right. So I came up and I had uh, I had purchased a couple of prostitutes, and by then because I was rolling so hard. And uh, and I said, oh, uh, uh, Christy, have you met have you met Frank? I hadn't met Frank yet. I go, oh, have you met Frank? <laughs> and they shake hands. I sort of sh- shove her shoulder uh, to uh, turn to Frank. Mm-hmm. And I go, oh, Frank, yeah, oh my God, look at I have I have uh, two uh, glasses of wine here. I could probably do, do that. And then uh, and I immediately I did my thing. I put down. Um, you know how you have like uh, little chips? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they have little circle chips, but once you start playing with the big boys, once you start playing with six figures, you get little bricks get like this. You get yes, the squares. Have you ever right. seen any of the James Bond movies? Where they, they throwing just kinda, squares around. He's throwing squares. Yes. And those are rectangles, <laughs> and that's when you really start throwing your dick around. Yes. So I tossed a couple bricks on the on the craps table, um, and I said, and I said, hey, Frank, whether I win or lose, you can take this this money. I don't really give a shit. <laughs> Bang, hit. 
Frank goes, hey, wait a second. So you must be one of the most fortunate people on, I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Um, which doesn't happen. Usually, Frank, he doesn't like it when um, other men in the room uh, are more important than him yes. or have or uh, are famously you know, high tempered, egotistical yeah. men. He likes to be number one, mm -hmm. um, which he, is why he likes to be the most fortunate. That's yes. right. That's mm -hmm. right. So that's why I was smart. And I said, hey, uh, you know, I, my good fortune is for you, Frank. Once I throw this, you can have it. So he so he took the money. Mm. Um, he took the woman. He took the women. and He took the wine. Um, that was all for him. Um, so it was, uh, so it was a nice, I kind of thread the needle between being the big shit in the room and also giving him all the fruits of my labor. So yes. here, here's the thing. Yeah, so what ahead. I like about this and what I think made you such an effective producer. Thank you. Is we're talking about an entire day spent in Vegas. That's right. The script has not even been brought up. The script no. has not even been mentioned. No. Do you even know that you're here to produce the movie, The Detective? I know I'm there to make magic happen, Jared. <laughs> and if you know anything about Hollywood or scripts, you can, I can... Uh, open up a CD-ROM drive, take a shit in it, and and whatever the fuck the computer prints out, I can I can make. If you if you have That's the right an Oscar if you have, if you if you have the right people attached, you know you can you can write the fucking Bible. If Jesus isn't attached, it's not going to get made. Okay. So what you need yes. is you need you need need to attach the talent. You need mm. to attach the people that can actually get the fucking shit made, and then you can worry about being brilliant or writing the fucking thing. Mm -hmm. So I knew that I had to get Frank attached up top. So that's why you give him the cash and the women and the money. And then uh, after uh, striking it up and having some very complicated sex, <laughs> you know, in an in an infinity pool, one of the first infinity pools um, at the top of the Copacabana in Las Vegas, was the infinity pool filled with water or something else? It was filled actually with um, different prostitutes, actually. <laughs> oh, and, the and, prostitutes and so were the filling. Back then, you could do really whatever you wanted. There's a lot more regulations now, which is actually bad, I think. And Jared, and Jared, you're you're nodding your head too. No, but I'm back not. then, no, but back not. then, no. Jared is agreeing emphatically. So Jared is in fact but back emphatically. Then, but back then, in the good <laughs> days, you could dress people up. Like back then, we would dress up the the prostitutes in blue clothing and like mm -hmm. blue body paint, and, and they and they and they pretend to be water. Yes, and they'd then swim inside the prostitutes. That's right, and 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 you'd probably end up having sex with a couple of them because that's sort of just you know what what happened. Mm. But it was one of my favorite types of sex, <laughs> accidental sex. <laughs> Where no one knew. No that's one right. knew if that's the sex right. had happened. That's right. You're but everyone's on board. But everyone's consenting and everybody's oh, no, on board. Certainly it's consensual. Yeah, yeah. Because yes. if you, you, don't, you don't put the blue body paint on thinking, uh oh, I hope I don't have sex. You, you go, oh, I probably will have sex. You in say, pool. well, the sex may happen and it may be so obtuse that I will yeah. never realize if it does or not. Mm -hmm. That's right. An so, orgasm has happened. We don't know where or when mm, or by whom. If it was mine, if it was yours, if it was, you know, Mickey Blue Eyes. <laughs> So I uh, so we end up swimming in the prostitute pool for about two hours on the top of the Copacabana. Oh, I hope your fingers did not get too wrinkly in the prostitute pool. <laughs> and we started pruning up. Yes, and we started pruning up hard, and um, and then uh, over the nice Las Vegas skyline, I said, um, I said, uh, you know, uh, Frank, you know, you really um, got to the bottom of the night, huh? And 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 he was like, well, you know, it was all for you, and. And then we started talking about the picture, and I said, uh, well, "Frankie, you should be in most most movies. You you understand that, right?" Mm -hmm. And after a good um, couple hours of flattery, you know, he 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 agreed to sign in on principle of the detective. Wow, that <laughs> is an incredible story. Can that you believe is, it? Yeah, I'm guessing that that pools, women, and wine. That's how you got every one of your. I'm guessing that every movie that I ask you about is going to have a story like that. Well, it's only because that's true, and that's actually <laughs> what happened. It's yes. not me coming up with this stuff. <laughs> I see. You know, I like uh, that one though, because that is a story not about pools women and wine but a story about pools that are women 
Yes. <laughs> that's right. Yes. Wow, very that's right. artistic. Pretending to be a liquid. If yes. you are, uh, if you're just joining us, this is Famous Dead People on Radio Free Brooklyn, and my guests today are American film producer Robert Evans. Hello, Jared. Please shoot for the stars. You and... might end up in the movies. <laughs> And 20th century German singer Klaus Nomi. I am made of angles. Uh, let's go back over to Klaus Nomi for just a moment. So I want to talk about your big moment, your big rise to uh, to fame. Oh, I think I know where this is going. 1978. Yes. There is a four-night event called New Wave Vaudeville. This is not what I was thinking of going to ask. Oh, That's no, great. really? Yes. Oh, uh, well, first of all, so the the thing That's that you were that you were thinking of is it after or before New Wave Vaudeville? It's, a, it's after. It's after. New okay, so Vaudeville. we can get to that after. So let's yes. talk about New Wave Vaudeville now. New Wave Vaudeville was sort of a collection of new wave artists, and it was also slight, like kind of almost like an open mic. Also, yes, flyers were put around town calling for quote. Egyptian slaves, yes. B girl hostesses, yes. Robot monsters, yes. Geeks, emotional cripples, and Nazis. Oh, beautiful! It was a show. It was on this show that you rose to prominence. So yes. First question: Were you booked on this show by somebody, or did you see that flyer and think, "Oh, I fit into this mix of different kinds of people here"? Well, you know, it was interesting because I saw the flyer mm -hmm. and I sort of put in my mind a Venn diagram of all of those different descriptions. Mm. And although I do not fit every single one of the descriptions, for example, I am not particularly emotionally needy because my emotions function in a very different way than, mm. you know, a yeah, normal so human's emotions. No one would function. describe you as an emotional cripple. No, nobody would yeah. describe me as an emotional cripple, you know. Uh, once I did read one panel of a Wonder Woman comic, but I don't think that makes me a geek, you know? Okay. Yes, you know, I read a singular panel and sat with it for a few days, you mm -hmm. know? Uh, yes, and, uh, you know, um, although I do have this accent, uh, I am not a Nazi. Thank goodness. No, thank goodness I am not a Nazi. You know, the Nazis, they had some interesting clothes, but at the end of the day, they were a real bummer, you know? Mm, fair. Yes, so, you know... Very fair. Yes, <laughs> you know, so after all is said and done, you know, I, I didn't quite fit every stereotype that they were asking for, but mm. I thought... Maybe this is a place where Klaus can belong. Mm. Maybe this is a place where they will appreciate what Klaus has to offer, yeah. which is being draped in a in a smock made of cellophane mm -hmm. and singing an aria on stage with strobe lights and smoke. This collection of types, of archetypes, yes. you realize maybe I'm not this, maybe but I'm not I fit this. into this. But maybe, this maybe I am the piece... Maybe I'm the keystone that will make the giant tower of art yes. come to life. So your piece this night, and we've already touched on it a little bit, yes. was that you wore a skin-tight spacesuit yes. with a clear plastic cape. Yes, with my you smock. You sang an aria. Yes. And then there were strobe lights and smoke bombs, yes. and you disappeared off the stage. That's right. And after that, everybody wanted to book you on their club. That's right. That was it for me. Okay. That was when I broke. So first question, do you remember the act that followed you <laughs> That night. Do you remember you? the strobe lights go off, the smoke bombs, you disappear, everybody loses their mind, and then who came on next? It was a dog trainer. <laughs> I do remember. 
It you just was, did a dog, dog yes, trick? Yes, it was a little dog trick, you know. They picked up the dog. The dog sat on the head. The dog barked. It was like was a commanded. bit of a letdown. I think that's why I got booked so much. Is people, you know, people liked the dog. I liked mm-hmm. the dog. It was a very cute dog. Mm-hmm. You know, the dog's name was Mitzi. Yeah. It was a very cute little dog, a little Pomeranian, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, Mitzi, you know, I had a lot of artistic respect for what Mitzi and her trainer were doing. Mm. But Mitzi was not quite as severe as me, yeah. as ethereal as me. It's pretty traditional. Yeah, you know. Mitzi was not dressed in a plastic cellophane smock. Definitely yes, not. no. Uh, now, what were you going to say was your rise to prominence? Was I it thought you were Saturday going to ask Life? about the SNL thing, yes, oh, with yeah. Bowie, you know, I do I dragged ask... around a poodle, you know. <laughs> I do want to uh, ask you about that. A stuffed poodle with a television screen in his mouth. Yes, but yes. Yes, I do want to ask you about that. Sorry, spoiler alert. I'm so sorry, Jared. I didn't mean to jump no, ahead. No, no, no. Uh, so before we get there, on, on your sort of like rise to fame, before you start work, before you do SNL with Bowie, yes, uh, you would like do these shows, yes, all over around New York, and you yes. would have the Nomi reviews. The, you would have models on stage, you would have famous artists on stage with you. Like you had the artist Basquiat, yeah, Basquiat as part King of your Harry. show. What was his role? In, in this club show that you were doing, Basquiat. He would, he would splatter me with paints okay. while I sang my opera covers of old standards. Okay. Yes. Can we get a little taste? Can we get just a little taste? Of course. You yeah. know, I'm happy to sing. You don't know me. I'm not one of your little toys. You don't know me. So why do you hang around with other boys? There we go. That's one of my songs. <laughs> Beautiful. But don't tell me what to do, and don't tell me what to say. When I got with you, don't leave me this way. The first wise club. I'm loved, <laughs> and I demand to be loved. I'm free, and I want to be free. That, that's beautiful. That is incredible. Thank you. Wow. Thank you. Yes. That is that's beautiful. That is the man who owned the new wave scene in New York in the 1970s. Yes. That's beautiful. Uh, let's go back over to Robert Evans for just a moment. Why? No. Why would you ever ask that? <laughs> so, yeah. uh, I was I was enjoying the singing. David. You, your incredible life was not without some dips and scandals. Incredible life. Well, okay. In 1980, you were convicted of cocaine trafficking. Okay. After that's, I mean. <laughs> That's just such an annoyance, but yeah, go on. I'm you, sorry they caught you. You it's, tried. Uh, it's oh, God Almighty. Yeah, go on. You tried to buy. It's, just, a... it's so annoying. It's so <laughs> it's so annoying when the regulators come in to ruin the creative process, Jared. I mean, this, you were trying. Here's to... a hint. Everything is fueled by cocaine. Go on. Is everything fueled yes, by cocaine? Yes. Yes. If you politics, say so. movies, music, art. You were trying to buy a large amount of cocaine. Mm-hmm, you yes. famously said afterwards that you did not think it was fair that you were convicted of trafficking because yeah. you weren't trying to sell the cocaine. I was trying you were to just do trying to the cocaine. <laughs> I'm trying to do the cocaine, okay? Jesus Christ. So how much cocaine are we talking about that you were charged with intent to sell with trafficking? 1.6 million kilos. 1.6 million kilos of cocaine. 1.6 million kilos of cocaine. Gotcha. For, now, one, for one party. You want, So this is a party. Yeah. This is not all to go up your nose. This was just so that you had it available to the different people that you'd be partying with. I had stockpiled a little bit, but you got to have enough for the party guests. You, you got to have, have some for favors, Jared, you know? How much How much uh, cocaine would you do, though, like regularly, consistently? How, Let's see. Let's how long see. would it take you to go through like a 
I don't know, one shipment of cocaine. One shipment of cocaine. One uh, barge of cocaine you're talking about? <laughs> so the one, like, so the thing that on the tankers, on the big, like, where they, the, where they transport cars and stuff like that? Is that how you purchase cocaine? By the tanker? I, pu- I purchase it by the three container. Tanker week? I, I purchase it by the container, okay. which for the listeners at home, if you can, like, when, they, uh, when we buy uh, Hyundai Elantras um, from Tokyo or whatever the hell they come from, um, I would fill it. I would say that container that ships one Hyundai Elantra is <laughs> a party and a half for me. Okay. So yeah. So that's um. And my nose has been, you know, God. I'll say the the usual. A lot of people will say that um in Hollywood, um you spend a lot of your money on uh, production or hiring big talent. You actually spend a fourth of it reconstructing your nose cavity. <laughs> Yes. Uh, and the and the bridge of your nose. You you spend a lot of the time. Uh, I I now have a titanium uh, septum. Oh really? Right now, yes. And oh. it's uh, it's I, that a, must be wonderful. It's a marvel of the medical community. Yes. Um, how yeah. much you can do as much cocaine as you want now. Yes. Well, now I can, but I do so much of it now that it's actually starting to eat the titanium. <laughs> And, uh, but I think that's because I'm getting a weird cut. I, I think I, I mean I think it's half that, half the amount that I'm doing. Maybe too much uh, baby powder. Yeah, a little there. too much fentanyl or whatever the <laughs> fuck they cut it with now. Yes. Um, but um, what was the question? So, <laughs> so, as part of your plea bargain for uh, uh-huh, for this yes. trafficking charge, you were not hard to get. By you the way. agreed to star in an anti-drug TV commercial. Uh, yes. Can you walk us through that TV commercial? It was uh, the f- fucking b- most boring shoot of my life. I couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't produce it. I couldn't do the score to it. I couldn't cast it. Um, and I couldn't even write it. Jesus Christ Almighty! Usually, <laughs> usually, you know, when I produce things, I I usually have final cut on the script and on the movie. Mm-hmm. But for this, I had to sit on a, I had to sit on a stool um, with uh, sixteen kids uh, behind me who weren't laughing or having a fun time at all. Yes, because it wasn't good entertainment for children. There was no whipped cream on the floor. <laughs> yeah, there was nothing. No one's slipping. No one's falling. No one slipped. Yeah, and uh, there were no, no dancing. There, girls. There's no dancing girls. No. There's no big band. There's no reason why anyone's having fun. I should have popped out of a dune. Yeah, for sure. It should have been on space, and it should have been, you know, yes, on CBS primetime family <laughs> entertainment. Yes, but it was pretty much just me sitting on a stool, and I had to look down the barrel of the camera and go hello my name is robert evans perhaps you've un- perhaps you've seen my my great movies the godfather and uh the rest of my movies <laughs> um hollywood is a dream but you know it's not a dream cocaine addiction and then i would have to go into uh that you, feels I, like such a hard segment it's <laughs> like I, they written. wrote it they Badly wrote written. it they wrote it because and i'm like Please let me write it. Let Please me a, let, let me, me write it. I understand. Let me get a pass on this Please. script. Please. I, I understand what you want me to do. You want me to say cocaine is bad. But please let me write it because I can write something better than you know what isn't a dream cocaine, <laughs> cocaine addiction. addiction. And also, I don't think I should be comfortable saying cocaine addiction in front of the kids. Mm-hmm. So it's it really. I mean, I understand why I had to do it, but it was just so poorly produced and yeah. so poorly directed. To be honest. Um, because uh, you know, I like to I like to sit behind the camera as well. Yeah, they, you should have been able to get your fingers in there. I really should have had to get my fingers in there. Now uh, let's go back over to Klaus Nomi because I, I do want to ask you about this Saturday Night Live. I, I just want to say what a misery for you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank it's, you. It sounds terrible. I know. To be so stifled, such a creative mind. If uh, I if I didn't have the post uh, PSA party, I think I would have killed myself. <laughs> 
<laughs> can't wait to hear about that. Yeah. Ooh, uh, I love a good post PSA party. So in 1979, David Bowie hires you to be one of his backup singers yes, on Saturday Night Live. Me and my pal Live. Joey Arias. Yes. yes. So uh, the the this you know you're all wearing uh, wild costumes. At one point, you bring out a stuffed poodle with a television in its it's mouth. A television in its mouth. Was yes. there a was there like a meaning to that poodle on the television or yes? Was there an artistic uh, yes? I don't know justification for it. Yes, basically, you know, the poodle was us and we were consuming the media. That makes sense. Yes. That's a real one-to-one there. Yes. So now I know that... It's easy to understand. That era of uh, Saturday Night at Live was famous for their wild after parties. Of course. Dave, uh, so we got Bill Murray, we got Gilda Radner, Jane Curtin, David Bowie... Lorraine Newman. Did you go to the after party that night? Any crazy stories yes. from it? Tell us a little bit. Don't be cool. Here's the craziest story about okay. that party. I went to that party and I constructed an egg. And then I hid in the egg for the entire time. And all of the not ready for primetime players would knock on the egg and say, Klaus, come out. We wish to have a conversation. And I would say, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> I am incubating in my egg. And that's what I did for the party. And what it did was you, wonderful. What did you make the egg out of, Klaus? I made the egg out of old rejected sketches that I paper mached so on you, the frame. So you, every time they rejected a sketch, you would grab it, mm-hmm. knowing that you were going to make an egg out I'd of it. I'd sneak into the writer's room of Saturday Night Live and just take a sketch. Gotcha. You know? Yes. That sounds like a pretty good, uh, that sounds like a pretty good after party. Oh, it was wild. I yes. loved it. It was similar to Mr. Evans's parties. You yeah. Know? Does that sound like yes. what your uh, PSA after party was like? Was there anyone hiding in an egg at your party? <laughs> uh, actually, there was. Um, <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, there really was. Because I remember um, after the uh, PSA, I was like, well, at least I can get some good comedy in here. And mm-hmm. so I went to the, uh, you know, and it was me and it was John Belushi. And by then I had gotten John Belushi addicted to heroin. Um, oh, until, wait, you uh, got John Belushi yeah, people, that. Yeah, people, people want to blame Del Close, but, no. but, 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 but it was actually me. No, it was you. Um, Del Close it, didn't do anything. <laughs> Del Close um, claims he did a lot of things he didn't do. Definitely yeah. not. I know a lot about this because I'm new wave legend Klaus Nomi. Of course. Yeah, yeah. Del, and everybody knows Del, that. Del Close is a liar. Uh, yes. I'll say that. <laughs> I'll say that he's a liar and a fraud, and, yes. and not as big of a deal as anybody wants him, wants him to, he's to a, be. He's yeah. a flimflam man. Yeah, he's well, a I don't think he was flam. famous for getting John Belushi on heroin. I think sure there were he was. Other People things. know that he got him and Chris Farley addicted to drugs, and no. uh, and uh, you so, can't claim that. You know, so we are we are just scratching the surface here, but unfortunately, that is all the time that we have for this week's oh, episode. Oh, no, what have we done? Uh, I didn't get to ask Robert Evans about uh, the murder that you were involved with, or well, that's too bad, Terry. <laughs> or the stroke that you had, and then you and Sinatra in the hospital together at the same time. My old my old friend Frank. Yeah, yes. so I'd like to thank my so guests. We'll, I'll come back. I'll come back on the show. Yes, yeah. please yeah, do. Yeah, I'll come back. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to thank my guests, Klaus Nomi and Robert Evans for joining me in the studio today. Oh, Last yes. question. Do either of you yes. have any comedians or comedy shows or, or podcasts or Twitter accounts that you're really big fans of that you want to tell people about? Uh, Klaus Nomi, anything you want to tell people about? Sure, you know, I have this little friend. His name is Louis Perlman. I sort of consider him my protege. And recently, Louis Perlman wrote a musical. So, you know, if you go to uh, louisperlman.com or joeyronmusical.com, you'll see over the next few weeks 
the entire soundtrack to the musical is going to be released as singles of, you know, over a band camp or some shit like that. It's going to be great. And Sounds wonderful. Yes, wow. you know, and, and also his podcast, Kick the Jude Box, is going to come back for some sort of season sometime soon, but he doesn't really know when, so it's All great. right, keep yeah. an eye out for that. And uh, yeah. Robert Evans, anything you want to tell people about? John Trowbridge. John Trowbridge. <laughs> After the pod, you need to go online, you need to Google John Trowbridge, T-R-O-W bridge, like when you walk over a bridge, mm. and follow all the social accounts that you see there. Yes. And um, he's got a lot of fun fun shows in um, uh, January, in the, the year of our Lord, 2020, and also uh, watch uh, all that on Nickelodeon, a kid's, a kid's sketch TV show. Because I heard Trowbridge is getting some residuals from that show, yes, so watch that. Yes, he just got a big chunk of cheddar from <laughs> the good folks at Nickelodeon. <laughs> I am, of course, your host, Jarrett Berenstein. You can check out all my stuff at jarrettberenstein.com. Uh, the third stand-up 2020 stand-up show slash voter registration drive is happening on January 3rd at the Pitt Theater at 7.30 p.m. with our headliner, Gary Goldman, is going to be there with a stacked lineup. All the proceeds go to voting rights organizations, so please come check that out and support. Uh, if you're listening to this on the radio, please find the podcast. All the old episodes are there, and they're hilarious. Rate and review. Tell your friends. New videos coming out on the YouTube every Tuesday and on my Facebook fan page. Hit us up at FamousDeadPeople at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. We're here every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Probably a little more soft-spoken than I normally speak, you okay. know, for, uh, for this guy. But, you know, sometimes I might sing a little bit <laughs> like this. Sing in my falsetto voice. I'll be right here talking about Hollywood movie pictures. <laughs> With me and Diane Keaton and Burt Lancaster in The Kid Stays in the Pool. Coming this fall to Paramount and MGM Pictures, Jared. And, uh, you like the movies? White woman face blindness.